You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sick me, really. Somehow they coached me into doing this. On the run out towards the oh. Comes out of nowhere and swipes it away against the window. I need to switch companies if Polly was employee of the year. There was a vote between his mother and father, and it was a split <laughs> decision. And now they're having fun. See, buddy, threw it up. Oh, okay. Okay, this. buddy. With his monster. To the rim for Gary. I saw him split things on the ground. I said, yo, is that a suit? Suit is right back the other way. Dolajai in transition, lays it in, gets the friendly roll. Gerard, a deep three. Got it! Fans might want to get used to seeing that. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Stephen Fonte, Paulie Sibilia with you up until 2 o'clock on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Two guests lined up for you. One basketball, one football. We're talking hoops with SU assistant coach Alan Griffin at 12.30. And then at 1 o'clock, our good friend Nate Mink from Syracuse.com will join us uh, to talk about the SU football schedule unveiled uh, this morning. And so really two topics on the show. We want to hear from you, 315-437-7644. Two main topics. We're going to spend a lot of time talking Q's basketball. And we're going to start the show, Paulie, talking Q's football. Again, the schedule released uh, at 9 a.m. this morning. Uh, what stands out to you? What was the first thing that stood out to you about the uh, 2021 SU football schedule? That I can't find wins on it. That's that's the first thing that that's stuck concerning. out to me. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, they have a potential to start very well, but the end could be could be a sad ending. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's, you know... <laughs> You start with looking at what comes first, and and as I'm going yeah. down the list, I'm like, okay, all right, you know, very doable non-conference schedule. They open up with Ohio uh, on the road September 4th. Then they're home against Rutgers, home against Albany, home against Liberty. You know, many may question why Liberty is still on the schedule, but Liberty is on the schedule again in 2021, and Liberty was great last year, so I yeah. we can't chalk that up as a win. Uh, but those first three, you're like, okay, three, you know, it's a really strong possibility that you're 3-0 and out of the gates. Um, so that's good. But then, you know, after that, you look at it, and, you know, the second half of the schedule is very difficult. A lot of road games on the second half of the schedule. And, you know, let's be honest, Syracuse was not good this past year. Uh, it, was a, it was a dreadful season. And so when you look at, well, are they better than Wake? Are they better than BC? Are they better than Louisville? Are they better than NC State? The are answer in all those than- cases right now is, is no. Are they better uh, than Liberty? Yeah, right. And and that's why I said we, we can't ch- chalk that up to a win. So um, I hear where you're coming from, Polly. Uh, next season is so important for so many reasons uh, for this program, for this coaching staff, for this fan base. And again, they have a, an opportunity to get off to a good start. Um, but I, you know, we, we were talking before the show, and and you said I see four wins, maybe four wins. You know, is four wins good enough? Is is no. the bigger question, and and I, I I don't think it I don't think it is. So um, it's going to be an uphill battle. I mean, we knew it was going to be an uphill battle. It's not like the teams in the ACC were going to change from last year to this year. Um, so we we knew it was going to be an uphill battle. But now when you see it on paper and you look at how it all you know shakes out, it is I think a tough schedule. Uh, nine straight games to open the season before a bye week, and for a team. And I saw Stephen Bailey make this point. Uh, you know, it's a good point for a team that struggles with depth. Uh, nine straight games to open the season without a break and without a bye week—that is—that can be concerning to to get beaten up week in and week out if you don't have the depth. 
and that has been one of the knocks against this program, uh, you know, the last several years, really the last many years, even, I mean, going back to, you know, Greg Robinson, there was a depth issue. Um, so you're talking going back 15 years, they've had issues with depth. Uh, not great to have to play nine straight games before you get a break. Right, and I'm also looking at this, and I'm thinking if you're going to get to a bowl game, your best path there is winning your first six games, it looks like. You know? Uh, yeah. Well, once you get past Wake, you're, you're in you're in uh, hot water. You go yeah, so for those who haven't seen the uh, yeah, so for those who haven't seen the schedule yet, I'll just rattle through it um, to give you some perspective and context of what Paulie's talking about, and he's he's not wrong. Um, again, you open the season at Ohio, then home for Rutgers, home for Albany, all very winnable games. Those three, home for Liberty on September twenty fourth, and again, Liberty went ten and one last year. The lone loss coming on a missed field goal to NC State, very easily could have been eleven and zero. Uh, after that, it's at Florida State. Seminoles struggled in 2020. They went just three and six. Uh, those wins were against Duke, UNC, and Jacksonville State. So Florida State obviously is down, but that is a road game in Tallahassee. Uh, after Florida State, home for Wake Forest, home for Clemson. Now Wake beat you pretty good this past year, um, but you know, are, are, is Wake Forest that much far ahead? You know, is that that? That much ahead of Syracuse, I I don't know. I mean, they, they certainly looked like it in 2020. Steve, when I look um, at the ECC, though, Wake Forest is where I look at Syracuse. Yeah, Every year you have to be better than Wake Forest. Yes. Yes. Right? One of my former co-hosts said the same thing. Salmonine, I remember talking about Wake Forest with Salmonine a couple years ago, and he he just dismissed it. He said, Steve, he's like, you're Syracuse. You have to be better than Wake Forest. Correct. Like, you have to beat them every year, and they don't beat them every year. I no, mean, it's been that needs to be a, a goal. A proposition. Right. you got to be better than Wake. Um, and right now, Syracuse is not. But to your point about if you're going to get to a bowl game, if you're going to get to a bowl game, you got to be better than Wake. You got to beat Wake Forest. Right. I'm with you on that. Um, the following week, it's a Friday night game inside the dome against Clemson. We know strange things happen on Friday nights uh, inside the dome. Syracuse has been very good on Friday nights, uh, going back the last ten years, uh, fifteen and six on Friday nights. They should play uh, on Fridays every day. Yeah, right. No more Saturday games. <laughs> Just keep playing Friday night. Um. So that is a Friday night game. We know how good Clemson is, obviously. Um, and then the second half of the schedule shakes out like this. At Virginia Tech, home for BC. At Louisville, following a week off, you finally get a break after BC. Uh, at Louisville on November 13th. At NC State, home for Pittsburgh. Um, so I don't I don't know if it's essential they start 6-0 and to get to 6-6. Six and six. Um, You know, could they beat a BC at home? Could they beat a Pitt at home? Um, you know, those are programs that you're on, I was going to say on par with. I mean, Pitt and BC are both a, a tick ahead of, of Syracuse, uh, certainly. But, you know, would we would we be shocked if, as things moved along in 2021, if Syracuse was able to knock off a BC or Pitt at home? Probably not. But to your point, Polly, they better get off to a good start right. because I, I'm not sure how many wins you can find on that back end of the schedule. Yeah, I'm not saying it's uh, necessary to do that. It's the easiest Easiest path to 500 in a bowl game, though, is when in, being 6-0. and And that, that's asking a lot of any team. Yeah, and again, we, we don't know how the quarterback situation is going to shake out, but you either got Tommy DeVito, who missed a lot of 2020, or you've got Garrett Schrader, who would be a brand-new quarterback in your system. Um, 
And, you know, you and I were talking before the show, and you said, well, you know, which one of these games is a guaranteed victory? I think we would all agree Albany is a guaranteed victory. Syracuse has never lost to an FCS opponent. They've come close a few times. Uh, Villanova should have beaten them. Uh, It it didn't happen. But Syracuse has never lost to an FCS opponent. I don't think that's going to change this year. I think, you know, Albany is a guarantee. Um, Is Ohio on the road a guarantee to start the season? We would like to think so. Uh, Ohio really didn't play much at all in 2020. They played three games. They went two and one. The year before that, in 2019, they they went to a bowl game. Uh, they went seven and six. They almost knocked off Pittsburgh. That was a very close game. Um, so while I'd like to think it's a no-brainer, Syracuse goes on the road and, and beats Ohio, um, I don't know if we can say for absolutely 100% certain that they're going to win that game. You know, Again, there might be a brand-new starting quarterback for that game. Or, again, you, you could have Tommy DeVito uh, coming back after barely playing in, in, in 2020. So, um, you know, it's not great when you look at the schedule and you can only guarantee a win or two. Um, you know, you want to be able to guarantee – you want to be able to guarantee 4-0 and in non-conference. I don't think we can say – we certainly can't say that given the fact that Liberty, um, you know, was so good – in 2020 and given the rule that you don't lose eligibility in 2020 theoretically everybody can come back so we'll have to see and, and that's something we got to keep our eye on in the off season is you know if, if guys move on and you, you know certain teams lose uh, certain key players at key positions um, but as it stands right now the rosters should look very similar from last year to this year and you know liberty was was obviously a much better team than syracuse so i don't think you can guarantee four and oh in non-conference um, you know, Rutgers had a down year. They were three and six. But again, when we say that, Paulie, we say, you know, this team had a down year, that team had a down year. You know, Florida State wasn't very good. They only had three wins. Rutgers wasn't very good. They only had three wins. You keep coming back to, well, Syracuse had one. So it, it's hard to yeah. it's hard to look at those others you, and point the finger and say, well, you know, Syracuse is, is certainly going to be better than Rutgers. Like when you look at those ESPN things and they do the probability of winning, I would put Ohio at like Syracuse at about 97 and uh, Albany at about 99. And then the rest of them, can you go higher than a 50% chance against any Power 5 school? Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, you would like to think that you're, you know, you've got a better than 50% chance of beating Rutgers at home. Um, but you make a good point. I mean, what, you know, what did we see in, in 2020 that would, that would make us think that now, you know, people will say, well, these are excuses. I mean, the fact that Tommy DeVito missed so much of the season and you were down to, you know, third string quarterback in spots and, you know, Rex was a serviceable backup, but you don't want Rex, you know, starting games and, and playing a majority of the season. Um, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. You know, we, we've rehashed it and rehashed it to death, and I, I understand that. There were a lot of reasons why they only won one game uh, in 2020, and we expect them to be better. And the, I, I would say, when you look back on last season, well, what's the number one reason why they only won one game? I think, to me, it would be the the quarterback issue, right? The fact that you lost DeVito, the fact that um, you know, you were down to your second and third quarterback, and even when Jacoby and Morgan came in and did some good things, that he got hurt, and um, you just never had continuity, consistency at the quarterback position. When you look back on 2020, Polly, what is the biggest reason for you for that one in ten season? Uh, I would say injuries would be number one, and secondly, would be the offense was atrocious, yeah. even for having a quarterback you weren't expecting to have. Because you, you look at Dino Baber's teams and you expect them to score. Uh, you know, 
That, that's what we were sold on. These teams were going to score 35, 40 points a game. And that didn't well, happen. First and foremost, you expect them to be fast. Right. Right? I mean, you want them to score, but we that was what we were promised, fast. Orange is the new fat. They were not fast uh, last year. They couldn't year. be again, last year. There are reasons for that. Right, and I understand that. But, um, yeah, to, to your point, they got away from their identity. They got away from what what they do, and I understand why, but, yeah, I, you know, the offense and the offense and the injuries, I think, go hand in hand because you had a lot of injuries on offense. You had opt-outs. You lost Tommy DeVito. Um, you know, and I, I think it all it all kind of snowballed on this team. I, I don't think this is a one-win team. Um, you know, I think they're better than that. I don't know how much better than that. I don't think they're a one-win team, but they were last year because of, you know, many, many factors. They, they did get that one win with, I think, a, is a big of a – they're full of a roster as they could have had. They had uh, they had DeVito for the Georgia Tech win, but they were also 1-3, so who knows? Right. Who knows? All right, let's go to the phone lines. 315-437-7644. Mike in Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? So here's my, my take on the schedule. It looks uncharacteristically light, you know, as far as non-conference, you know, at Ohio, it's not exactly a powerhouse, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of concerned with the defections from the team, you know, our, our standout players leaving. And I, I'd really like to see some, you know, some improvement in the old line, obviously, but, you know, the schedule at Virginia Tech, um, I think that's going to be a doozy. Because historically, you know, the Hokies have always played Syracuse stuff. And yeah, I'm glad to see them back on the schedule, but I am kind of disappointed with the schedule, how light it is. You know, especially non-conference. I mean, you know, I I just like to see a little more competition, you know. And that's just my take. But, you know, I'll listen to you guys' feedback. And thanks for my call. Yeah, no, I appreciate checking in, Mike, and it's it's an interesting thing. You know, we've we've debated this on the show for for years about, you know, what's the right way to schedule the non-conference. And I think as fans, fans like to see, you know, that that marquee opponent, right? They like to see LSU come to town. They like to see USC. Um, this program is not in a position right now to play those teams because they're getting beaten up bad enough in the conference. They have to, and and, I, and I'll be honest with you, Paulie. I've I've kind of come, you know, around. You know, I've gone one hundred and eighty degrees on this because when when we used to debate this several years ago, and I'm saying going back what six, seven, eight years, I would say, yeah, I like having the one marquee opponent on the non-conference. You know, maybe you build in three wins, and then you take your shot against an LSU or USC. And and I used to make fun of like what Duke does. You know, Duke gives itself four guaranteed wins as much as possible in the non-conference. They play no one. NC State, same way. They generally play no one in the non-conference. Um, I've come around on this. I, I think that's the way to do it. For for a program like Syracuse, where they are right now, I think that's the way to do it, is that you water down the non-conference, you give yourself as best a chance as possible of going 4-0, and and when they signed up with this series for Liberty, who could have known that Liberty was going to be really, really good? Um, because if they knew Liberty was going to be this good, I don't know as if they would have signed up for this series. But I, I think you give yourself four four wins it, it, to, to the best of your ability. Give yourself the best chance in the non-conference. And then, that again, you just have to go, you know, 
two and six or three and five in conference to qualify for a bowl game. I think given where Syracuse is right now, and I understand Mike's point. I understand why he's disappointed that they don't have the marquee opponent on the schedule. But I think given where this program is right now, I do think that it's the the smartest way to go about scheduling. What about you? I agree 100%. And I was a huge Coach P fan. And I don't know if you guys remember when Coach P was around. I'm dating myself. But, of course, of but, course, I remember. Yeah, but the schedules that man had to face—if if they scheduled the way they do now for Coach P, he might be Joe Paterno for Syracuse. He may still be here. You know, he he would beat Ohio and Albany and Liberty. You know, you know, it, except for he was rolling out against Texas and Flo- I was looking at his first year as head coach. Right? 1991. They played Vanderbilt, Maryland, Florida, Tulane, Florida State, East Carolina out of conference. <laughs> Come on. They played the number That's one great. and number yeah. five team out of conference. It's insane. Like, we Syracuse fans, we used to get that. We got it every year. You'd get those great non-conference games. It's just... This program is in no position right now to be playing schedules like that. Yeah, I mean, just even looking at his last few years, uh, just called it up, 2001, uh, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Auburn, out of conference, 2002, uh, Brigham Young, North Carolina, at Auburn. That was the three-overtime game. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they they challenged themselves out of conference, and, and, you know, this program has gotten away from it, and and I understand why. And again, initially, I was disappointed, too. Yeah, go ahead. If you look at it, they also challenged themselves out of a better record at, at points. Right. You, you know, if right. you had played just maybe yeah. Auburn one of those years and none of the other games, you're, you're a consistent 10-win seasons, you know? so but, How about the 98 season and, and losing to Tennessee right off the bat on that questionable you know right. pass interference? If you're not playing Tennessee, um, you know, you open the season in the top 20. Maybe if you get it rolling, they beat Michigan the following week. The, the thing is, though, you know, you – you, you, in order to move up in the polls, you want to be able to challenge yourself. And the Big East is, was not what the ACC is. And I know that the ACC, well, early you know, on top to bottom, isn't necessarily a great conference. But well, right, because they had Miami, Miami, Virginia um, Tech, Syracuse. Yeah, those were all top ten teams. That's that fair. That's fair. Well, Syracuse was in the mix, though, and I guess that that was the point I was trying to circle back to is that Syracuse is not in the mix in the ACC, right. and you've got some really good teams. You know, you've got Clemson. Normally, there's you know another couple others, whether it's Florida State or Louisville. I know Florida State's down, but um, I do think that it's it's the smart thing to do, and I understand why fans say they're disappointed. Um, but let, let the me biggest hit, thing now is you got this program's got to get back to a bowl game. Let me hit you with that 1998 schedule. Tennessee at home, number 10 to start, eventual national champs. At number 13, Michigan. NC State, Cincinnati were the two other road games. So, Yeah. They weren't messing around back then. Not easy. It's not easy. And they lost two of those, right? They They lost to Tennessee and NC State. Yeah. Wow, look at the memory on you. Now I got the media guy in front. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I just pulled it up as we were talking scheduling, but... Um, yeah, I knew that. Uh, obviously, I remember the Tennessee game very well. It was the first game I ever covered um, as, as like a professional. I graduated college May of '98, um, and that was the that was the first game working at uh, the ABC down in Binghamton that I covered. Um, 
for uh for that station. In any event, we do have to take a time out here. 315-437-7644. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Ponty, Paulie Sebelia, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We've got SU assistant coach Alan Griffin set to join us in a few minutes, but we continue the football talk by going back to the phone lines. Brendan in Manlius up next on the show. Hey, Brendan. Hey, guys. How are we doing today? Good. How about yourself? Good. Thanks for taking my call. So regarding the schedule, I actually have a, a, an opposite approach as a previous caller. I think this is – I applaud the administration and the, and the athletic department for doing this. Syracuse is not in a position to be able to play Power 5 teams out of conference, not even in the realm of possibilities. I think that it's far more important from the fan base perspective, for the team perspective, to put wins on uh, up on the board. That, to me, is far more important than just saying, oh, we can play Notre Dame or LSU or any of these other teams and get and then the doors blown in and then you look and you have a one in ten season. So I'm actually in favor of it. I think they're going to be able to work on things as a team. Uh, I think that the kid they brought in from uh, Mississippi State seems like he's going to be, you know, time will tell, but maybe a better fit for the run and gun type of offense Dino wants to run. So I'm in favor of it. I think that they have a better chance of, uh, of being a, a quality team by uh, getting those, some of those early wins, and that even remains to be seen. Can they beat teams like Ohio? We'll see. You know, you win one game, you don't have a lot of uh, muscle to be able to push teams around, obviously. So I, I'm excited for it. I think it's a smart decision on the uh, athletic department's part, and I think that's actually going to improve the team's chances moving forward. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Brendan. I, I, I'm 100% with you. And, and it took me a little while to come around on this because I, I liked, you know, maybe selfishly, Paulie, I liked covering, you know, the LSU games and USC games and so on and so forth. And I like seeing a marquee opponent on the schedule every year. Um, but as, you know, as time has gone on, I, it's it's evident that, that, that this program needs wins in the non-conference, put themselves in the best position possible to succeed and success right now, whether we like it or not, success right now is six wins in a bowl game. And they need to give they need to do everything they can to get to six wins in a bowl game and, and starting out with four winnable games in non conferences, uh, I think it's a must at this point. Right. And I want to uh, commend Brendan there for uh having the most calm and rational call since uh we've we've done this show together. In two weeks, that was the most rational take I've heard from a caller. Yeah, so we, we can just have conversations. We don't have to yell at each other. It doesn't always have to be like that, Polly. It's because so, yeah, I agree Brennan, with him. Uh, Brennan can be the voice of reason. Well, <laughs> it, that helps. <laughs> I guess that helps. But, uh, yes, a very common, rational call from <laughs> Brendan. We do appreciate that. Uh, let's uh, let's get one more in here before we get to Griff. Uh, Chris Insalve up next on the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call today. I uh, I echo the previous uh Previous caller, sort of. But here's my my ultimate question. You know, by playing a somewhat soft schedule with rather insignificant opponents, that never, you know, lends the the help to retain better talent and and recruits. You know, that that's one thing that major networks tend to frown upon games that are insignificant in nature. So you're not going to get that you know that exposure that you would play in a, you know, a, a top-level opponent. And, All right, so let me, Chris, let me jump in. Let me jump in. 
Let me ask you this: Are you are you Mike from the first segment? I I, I feel like you did, did. You just call under a different name. Say that again. I said, did you, did you just call in our first segment under a different name? No, no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. I I I feel that the university itself they they need to establish themselves better. You know, recruiting is a foundation. You need to build upon that foundation. And from what I've seen, yeah. I mean, you yeah. got affection. You got you got people leaving the team. That's why I echoed that that first caller because he's right. Um, you know, has Taj Harris left the team? And I, I'm concerned because you know we got great talent on this team, and they're they're leaving. They're, so what does that leave for next who, year? They're not well, guys. They're not leaving because of who yeah. they're playing. They're lo- losing. They're leaving because of the outcomes. Yeah, yeah well, I understand. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Chris, outside of Nikeem Johnson, who who are you upset that, that left the program? Well, I mean, Taj Harris left the program. Yeah, Taj Harris left the program? Yes, he's a standout. Where's Taj Harris going? I, he's he's in the draft, as far as I know. I, I read this on Syracuse.com about two months ago. All right, we'll we'll see. I mean, and, and that may happen. That may happen, but I I don't think Taj Harris is leaving because they're not playing Oklahoma next year. I guess is well, my no, point. And I, I, I and, no all right, I'm just I, we we got to run because we got we got Griff coming up next. We got to run, Chris I, or or Mike. Or, yeah, go ahead. Can I hit one more Paul. thing on this? Yeah. Ser- all right. In in a normal ACC environment, like normal, I give it two years. Two years, the ACC will be back to normal. To say they aren't playing high-level teams, you're going to play Florida State, Clemson, Louisville every year. Every year, you're playing three top 25 teams and probably the one number one or number two team in the country. Right? And then when Florida State gets it rolling again, you're playing a uh, two top 10 teams every year. So that's my take. Yeah, and I I know that one way to recruit is based on who you're playing. I, I don't think they're losing recruits because they're trying to win games in the non-conference. So I, I I'm with you, Paulie. I, I I disagree with that take that you know you need to play better teams to get better recruits. I think you need to win games. You need to get to bowl games. You need to show success. And 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 right now this program just isn't in a position to to play a tough non-conference schedule given what you just laid out. What they have to deal with in conference. We got to take a timeout. Griff joins us next.